The NASCAR Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-I-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by the SGPN's Big Game Squares Contest, a $1,000 prize pool and completely free to enter. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash squares to enter today. Drivers, start your Wrap in and pull those belts up tight as the Sports Gambling Podcast Network presents the NASCAR Gambling Podcast. I'll wreck my mom to win a championship. I'll wreck your mom to win a championship. With all the news and the best bets for your NASCAR weekend. It refrains me from not beating the out of you right now because you ask me stupid questions. But since I'm on probation, I suppose that that's uh, improper to say as well. If you could talk about racing things, we could talk about racing things. Now, here are your hosts, Rod Gomez and Cody Zeeb. Back to talk racing things for episode 104 of the NASCAR Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He's Cody Zeeb. I'm Rod Gomez, and we are scarcely few days away from the clash at the L.A. Coliseum. And then, of course, ushering in the official beginning of the 2023 NASCAR season was the first points race, the Daytona 500. Cody, those words are so beautiful and I can't wait one more time to get there. We are so freaking close, Rod. We're going to have cars on the track in just a couple of days, five days away from the Clash the Coliseum. We have DFS driver salaries for the Clash we're going to talk about today. Yes, we talked yesterday about the odds to win the race. We're hoping in the next day or two here we'll have more, more options uh, for betting on the race that we can share as well, so... It is race week, and I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. Man, I'm glad to be here. Let's do it. Um, All right, so I know that there are, like we said, a few days away. Yesterday was 20. Today is 19 until the Daytona 500. Thank you. Holy cow, (laughs) I'm so nervous. You know how I hate math. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm good at it at least. So 19 days away. I know who drives the 19 car now. Familiar Does with anybody drive the 19 car now? I thought that no, was he's retired. retired. He's retired. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the 19 car is in current operation. But Cody, what? who else other than the retired Martin Truex Jr. has been at the helm of this 19 car? Yeah, this is a car number that's been around a long time. Uh, there's going to be a lot of names that we're going to recognize as I go through this list. Um, and it's made a lot of starts. So 1,610 starts for the number 19 car. Um, Again, it's been in the series since 1949, and it's, you know, obviously still in operation now. Sometimes when Martin Truex Jr. decides to show up, uh, but 1,600 starts, 
20 wins in this car number, 940 top 20 finishes, and 20 times the car has sat on the pole. Um, You probably would never guess this, so I won't make you guess. Hentley, or Henley Gray is the driver with the most starts in the number 19 car uh, with 231 career starts. He uh, raced from 1964 to 1977 in the NASCAR Winston Cup Series. Um, not a driver we really have probably ever heard of. <laughs> he started 231 races, and he led two laps in that time, never finished in the top five. Uh, next on the list is Herman Beam. Again, not a guy I'd heard of before. 194 starts. He never led any laps. Uh, so these are these are just old school guys that drove around in the number 19. But now to the names that we may remember. Jeremy Mayfield, 165 career starts in the number 19 car. Of course, when Dodge came back into the sport in 2001, they came in with Ray Evernham and his racing team. It was Bill Elliott in the 9, Jeremy Mayfield on the 19. Um, and they were both just Dodge-sponsored cars. Dodge went all in on that. Uh, so that was Jeremy Mayfield's ride for a while there. Um, very interesting story and career that Mayfield had with some off-field issues. And he had an episode of the Dale Earnhardt Jr. download uh, this past season and got to tell his side of things. And which side you want to believe is is up to you. But he had some interesting theories and and felt like some people were out to get him and stuff. So that's definitely an interesting listen if you – you need something to, to listen to and you want to hear his story. Uh, but he did win two times in the number 19 car, led 739 laps uh, in his career in the car. Elliot Sadler, um, a guy that drove the 19 car after Mayfield was out of it, um, as well for Evernham there. He made 158 starts in the car number. Uh, he's more known for the 38 car, right? That was the car that we kind of remember him more in that he spent a lot of time in with with Yates Racing, but did spend some time here as well. So 158 starts for him. Never got any wins uh, in the 19, but three top fives and 18 top tens. Martin Trex Jr. is fifth on the list. He'll actually pass um, Elliott Sadler this year. He's got 144 starts, 12 wins. He's got the most wins out of anybody that's driven this car number. 46 top five finishes, 82 top tens, and he is the leader in the laps led category for this car number at 3,758. Carl Edwards, um, he started 72 races in this car number. Uh, again, he was in there before. Well, it was Edwards and then Suarez and then Truex. Um, but Edwards won five races in those 72 starts in the 19 car. Suarez also 72 starts. Uh, never had any wins. Only four top fives. Did have 21 top tens. Um some other guys that raced this, Chad Little made 50 starts in the 19 car. Casey Atwood, he was another of those Evernam guys, 38 starts. Cale Yarbrough uh, made 33 starts. Uh, Derek Cope made 10 starts in this one. Dick Trickle made 8 starts. I, I didn't realize, I just remember Dick Trickle in the 90 car when I was a kid, but he's a guy that we've mentioned on almost every number. I think he started every number in the series. Like, <laughs> good Lord, every time I go through it, I, I mention him, but... Uh, Ned Jarrett, Dale's, Dale Jarrett's dad, uh, made a start in this car number. Bill Elliott started one race in the 19 car. Uh, Wendell Scott, Dale Earnhardt actually started one race in the number 19 car. Uh, 90 different drivers have made a start in 
the cup car uh, in the cup number 19 car. And Ford has actually been the most uh, used manufacturer at 583. Toyota actually checks in second at 354. And Dodge checks in third at 350. Chevrolet checks in fourth at 292. So Ford kind of has the handle on it. But then the other three manufacturers all right there with, with plenty of starts uh, to their name. And then, of course, you got the 10 Pontiac starts, one in a Hudson, and some other random ones. But that's uh, that's your history for the 19 car. And while we're doing a history lesson, too, I found this today and thought it was was pretty interesting. So on this date, January 31st of 1960, was the first live television broadcast of a NASCAR race um, of the Daytona 500, actually. And it aired on uh, CBS, Walter Cronkite actually was he announcer i that yeah rod's head snapped around real fast there i didn't realize that he called uh nascar race um but uh it says cotton owens won a 10 lap qualifying race with a last lap slingshot pass to give him the, the pole for the day 2500 and 17 million people in 1960 watched this now it wasn't the entire race it wasn't the first flag to flag broadcast wasn't until 1979 uh, I don't have the info on how much of this race was broadcast, but it was the first live TV broadcast on this date in 1960. Uh, yeah, back in the day for the Daytona 500. But they did not have the Fox Gopher. That's all I'm saying. Like that first <laughs> broadcast did not have Digger the Gopher. I, it did I not. <laughs> highly recommend you go and find that Fox Gopher on YouTube. You will. Thank me very, very much for that because that was quality television. That was just NASCAR at its finest. Uh, Absolutely. So hats off Absolutely. to Fox for taking <laughs> taking the step to make that happen. Um, I love it. All right. We have got DFS to talk about and some rule changes when we come back from the break. So let's do that. We'll pay the bills, come back, and uh, talk some rule changes and some DFS. But before we do, let's tell you about WinBet. It's the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, and WinBet is active in a bunch of states. Plus, there's a tons of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays, a.k.a. WinBet's Build Your Own Bet. Big game is here, and WinBet has you covered with great promos, odds, payouts. It's all happening right now at WinBet. You ready to play? Sign up today. You're going to get a special offer. Bet $100, get $100. Limited to state availability. And of course, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get a $1,000 free credit. So much to choose from, and all you got to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. So they know that we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Offer subject to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state play where playthrough winbet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. SGPN is giving away $1,000 in their Big Game Squares contest. It's completely free to enter, and all you need to do is follow the Sports Gambling Podcast on Spotify and give them a rating, preferably five stars, por favor. Then go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash squares to enter for your chance to win a free big game square. Well, Cody, what better day or what better week to announce rule changes in NASCAR than Two weeks before the Daytona 500, because that is exactly the perfect time to change the rules uh, if we're heading into a brand new season. 
And uh, this is what NASCAR has done. So teams now have to uh, have to figure out how to make changes to abide by these rules. But Cody, what are those rules that they're changing? Yeah, so nothing too crazy. I mean, as far as like technical stuff or anything like that. And honestly, I think in some of these rules, they listen to the fans, they listen to the teams and the feedback. Some of the stuff we talked about on here during the season last year, and like they need to look at this stuff. Some of the stuff's ridiculous. Um, so let's just dive into it. The loose wheel rule. Mm-hmm. If you remember last year, uh, we had the loose wheels. It was an automatic four race suspension for the crew chief, the tire changer, and the jack man. Um, and that had made sense when it was five lug nuts because teams would beat only tighten three or four of them to save time. And it was a safety hazard. So if you were doing that, your wheel came off, then yes, the crew chief and the crew members should have been out for four races with the one lug nut thing. There's no corners to cut anymore. You got to get it tighter. It's coming off. Right. And so that seemed kind of silly last year when they still had that rule in place, they decided to change that rule this year. Um, So now if a wheel comes off, the crew chief will no longer be suspended. If it happens on the track, so if the car is back out on the track and the wheel comes off, it'll be a two-lap penalty. So NASCAR will hold the team for two laps, plus the time it's going to take him to get back to pit road and fix it. So it's going to sink your day pretty well, but they're not going to suspend the crew chief. The crew members will still be suspended two races. So whoever changed the wheel, it didn't specify, but I'm assuming it's still whoever changed the wheel and the jack man that will be the ones that are uh, – because the Jackman is supposed to like visually verify that the little locking pin or whatever is, is on it. So those would be the guys and they'll just be suspended two races. So that makes a lot more sense if it's under caution um, or rather hold on. Uh, if it happens on pit road um, and it's under caution, then you'll just restart at the rear of the field. And if it happens on pit road under green flag, um, then it's going to be a pass through. So if your tire comes off, you're going to have to get back in your stall, get it back on. Then you have to get back on the track. Then you have to do the drive through penalty where they just come on pit road. They don't stop, but you got to drive pit road speed. So that costs a lot of time as well. That's going to sink your day pretty well. But again, I think that this is a very positive uh, rule change as far as there's no reason to suspend the crew chief for four races anymore. It made sense when we had the five lug nuts. Now that it's the one lugged out, you're not cutting that corner anymore. So I think that, uh, that that is a good one. And last season, it was moving all so fast. I mean, these crews were still trying to get used to one lug nut. And, I mean, stuff happens fast on pit row, even with five lug nuts. So imagine trying to to make all of your adjustments in the time it takes for you to go zip, and that's it. Like, it just it didn't make any sense to me that you were penalizing them as heavily for an incident, especially because it happened quite a bit. I mean, it happened more times than we... I think initially thought were going to happen because, you know, we thought, ah, oh, nah, it's one lug nut. How, how hard could that really be? Well, right. you know, they're moving fast. And, and like I said, it's, it's a matter of timing with these guys. And when their timing is thrown off, I mean, it's like going from, I don't know, whatever repetitive motion you've been doing for your entire life and then having the machine changed underneath you to where now you have to learn how to do something different. You're going to be clumsy for a good long while. Well, now they've had a full season now, you know, we'll see. But, yeah, I don't think suspending the crew chiefs was ever really that big or, or good of an idea because it just didn't make any sense to me. It was like that that was not a malicious mistake, honestly. Right. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it wasn't like it hurt and anybody. And again, the crew chief part, if you were telling your team to cut corners, 
kind of made sense with the five, but with the one, definitely not. And, and I mean, these guys were doing pit stops in 13 seconds with, with the five lug nuts. Now it's 10 seconds. You know, they only had two months in the off season because Phoenix of 2021, you're changing five lug nuts. And then you turn around to February of 22 and it's to the one lug nut deal. And so they only had so much time to practice. It's a lot different. You got so repetitive with the five. And if you missed one or didn't get it fully tightened, it wasn't as big of a deal because you had four more to hold it on there. Uh, and so, yeah, it, we saw quite a few problems and it seemed like it kind of trailed off towards the end of the season. It was more earlier in the season. Now they've got a year under their belt. So hopefully it won't happen as much. I think we'll still see it. Uh, it still happens in IndyCar, other places where they just have the one tire thing. But but I think that these are good changes. Uh, next up, rain tires will be available at some short tracks. We had talked about they've done a lot of testing with that, with the wet tracks. This will be if there's a light rain or if the track is wet, you know, say it rained, there was a rain delay. Instead of having to wait for the track to dry, be able to put on these rain tires and use them. So obviously all the road courses, that was already part of the deal anyways. But in addition, the clash this weekend, I don't think there's rain forecasted, but they would be available if needed. Um, you guys had some rain there in California recently. We so did. We did. It was a thing, little touch. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This guy cried a little bit. Yeah. Um, the IRP, which was, a, I believe, a truck series race, and Milwaukee, also just a truck series race. Um, but Martinsville, for those two races, New Hampshire, um, again, the tracks that are comparable to the clash that we talked about yesterday, right? North Wilkesboro for the all-star race. Uh, Phoenix, which that could be potentially crazy if the championship race comes down to rain tires. Again, it doesn't rain much in Phoenix, I don't think, but could be used there if needed. And then Richmond will be the other one. Um, and then obviously all the, all the six road course races that we have during the season. Um, and, and they'll have to have the motor... Uh, the wiper motor blade or whatever the wiper motors have to be installed on the cars. The blades are optional, but most likely they're going to have the wiper blades on the car, whether there's any chance of rain or not, because it gives an aerodynamic edge to the car the way. And that's why they have those big ass wipers. Trust me, the teams that will take every extra step, right? Dale jr. Tweeted out a couple months ago about the 18 pieces of tape holding up or uh, 18 Budweiser stickers. It was underneath the, the camera for uh, for the advertising there on the onboard camera that that gave them just that you know eighteenth of a second that they needed to to do whatever. So yeah, rain tires will be available at those events, um, and we'll see. Maybe we'll get a chance to see them on an oval this year and see how they go. Well, I mean, we've been saying we need some rain tires for a while now, and and basically uh, F one showed us that that's kind of the way it needs to be. And, you know, different compounds, different different abilities to drive on different surfaces. It, it never hurts. And all it's going to do is just make what happened at Daytona not happen again this last time around. If they would have been able to throw rain tires, that race would not have crashed right. out. Right. And, the, yeah, that's still, I mean, you're still not going to get it at Daytona with the banking and stuff there. The rain tires just aren't feasible. It's still a short track only thing for now. But we've seen it work in road courses, right? We've had many road courses in the rain between all the series at this point now. So it makes sense to move into the next step, which would be the short tracks, which again, the shorter, flatter tracks are more the similar to the road courses. Like we talked about yesterday. Now like Bristol Dover aren't on here. Those are super banked tracks and the tires aren't going to stick on there as well. So we're definitely not to that point yet, but taking baby steps and 
rain delays suck. It sucks when your whole entire sat Sunday gets drug out. We have to wait till Monday. You're at work. You can't watch the race. So anything they can do to help get these races in would be nice. Uh, so I think that's a good step. Next up, the Hail Melon is no more. That move is now illegal in NASCAR. It, it, it Bob Pockris said, my, my heart doesn't agree with it, but my brain does agree with it. And I think he is point on there or spot on there. It was awesome, right? It was one of the greatest moves. It was a video game move. It worked out perfectly. It got him into the final four, got NASCAR all this exposure. It was wonderful with the safety element of it. Not so great. We probably shouldn't be doing that. They don't want somebody else to try it somewhere and get hurt. If he would have got hung up on the gate that he drove past miraculously, could have been horrible. We've seen bad wrecks when guys get stuck on the gates like that on the outside. Any number of other things could have happened to that hurt him, hurt a spectator, hurt another driver. Um, and so it sucks, but it was needed to, to be. And it's great that it happened. We got to see it. And they didn't penalize him at the time, right? It, it, technically, there is a rule that they could have enforced that could have penalized him and taken him out of the championship four. They didn't do that. That was a proper thing to do. But going forward, it just needs to be, hey, we can't do this anymore. And I think from a safety aspect, that's that's the right thing to do. Well, it's like I was saying when it initially happened and, and in the aftermath, it's like in Top Gun where Maverick got scolded for doing the move that, that yeah, it got him the win. You know, he gestures dead, sure. But the fact that you went below the hard deck, you engaged and, you know, you chased him down after he called no joy. I mean, it's, yeah, it happened. It was fantastic. It was fun to watch. But you probably knew it wasn't going to be able to happen again. And I, I think... I don't know that anybody is surprised by this move, just from a safety standpoint. You said it. I mean, it's it's not a move that NASCAR should encourage other drivers to, to do. Again, it was fun to watch. I'm glad we witnessed it. But, yeah, you probably shouldn't be doing well, that. Well, and you again. don't want it to clash this weekend. You don't want eight guys all sending into the wall on the last lap. You don't want to see that at Martins. But, like, it could get to the point where it could be ridiculous. So, I think to just kill it now – in the off season, you're announcing all your other rule changes anyways. Like it's the perfect time. It was great. We loved it, but let's not do it again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, um, the choose rule is going to be in effect for super speedways and the dirt track, uh, at Bristol this year. It was so silly. They didn't use it at the dirt track because the choose rule is like your local dirt track uses that every week. They have the little orange cone they put out there and they pull it in with the rope. Like, why it was never at the dirt track didn't make sense other than NASCAR paints it on the thing. So it makes it a little harder, but, um, but so yeah, during the cautions on super speedways and dirt track, it was always the leader pick top or bottom. And then it was just, you know, second place is the opposite. And then thirds on the inside, fourth on the outside and so on and so forth. Now they will be able to choose will be interesting for super speedways because teams manufacturers can try to line up together You'll have guys picking who their partners are going to be that they want to dance with in the draft. So I think that'll be interesting on the dirt track. You know, obviously there will be strategy as well used there, but that's kind of a minor one, but we'll see that now at all the races rather than just the, uh, than not having the dirt and the super speedway ones in there like like previously. I love it for super speedways. I love that added level of strategy because again, yeah, right. Sometimes you you got caught behind a guy you didn't want to get caught behind because you had to line up behind the guy you had to line up behind. Now 
you know, you can sit there and, and make deals with your team and make deals with other folks and try to get in the correct line. So that, that makes it so much more interesting. I, I'll be, I, I want to see this play out. I, it may not play out in Daytona because it's, it's still it kind of new. It, well, it, right away. it might. Yeah, that's true. These guys are pretty wise. So that'd be pretty cool just to see that kind of play out in front of us this, this week or a couple weeks in Daytona. Yeah, I, th- I think we I think we will see it early and often on the super speedways. Um, this one I like to call the Corey LaJoy rule. You no longer have to be in the top 30 in the Cup Series, top 20 in Xfinity or Trucks to make the playoffs. So example of Corey LaJoy would have won at Atlanta last year where he almost did, right? 200 to 1 leading with two seconds left or with two laps left. We all know the story. Didn't win, but had he won, he would not have made the playoffs because he didn't end up in the top 30 in the point standings, NASCAR is just throwing that rule out. You still have to start all the races or have the waiver, right? So if Jimmy Johnson wins but only competes in four regular season events, he's not going to be eligible. You still have to compete in all the events or get the waiver. Again, there's a couple truck guys that aren't old enough for the first couple races. They've already got the waivers. We've seen Kyle Busch broke his leg at Daytona, missed a few races, got a waiver, ended up winning the championship later that season. Um, so that's still all in play, but you don't. So if a Corey LaJoy wins the Daytona 500, like he's going to in two weeks, right? Then he's in the, in the playoffs like that. It doesn't matter if he stays in the top 30 all season. Um, so I appreciate that NASCAR. Thank you for helping Corey LaJoy get in the playoffs. Love to see it. And it just makes it more incentive to go out and win a race. I mean, that's literally what they wanted from the start was these guys going out to try after wins instead of just point racing for, you know, however long the season is. They wanted these guys, they wanted to incentivize wins. And if you're if you're telling a driver you want to race, oh, but I'm sorry, you don't get to participate in the postseason because you, you know, we told you to go win races. It's glad that you did. But you don't qualify. That's like that's ridiculous. I mean, let them in. If they want to race, then they've earned their place in there. You know, it's not as if they they were going out there and running thirtieth the whole time, and then they wanted to do something. I don't know. It's just I, I feel like it, it better incentivizes the win, like they wanted to in the first place. Yep, absolutely, I agree. Uh, the damage repair clock. Um, so that one was kind of all over the place last year. It was six minutes all season until the playoffs. They extended it to 10. They weren't really sure with this new car and stuff. Well, they've determined that it takes six and a half minutes to change a tow link, to to completely replace a tow link, which is the main issue they have with the cars. So it's a seven-minute clock this season instead of six, instead of 10. It'll be seven. That allows enough time to change a tow link, get back out on the track for the damaged vehicle policy. Um, So there's that. And then the best rule change on the books, one we lobbied for last season, I'm very happy to see it. Stage cautions on road courses are no more. Well, exactly like we talked about on the podcast last season. They will just, their stages will still be there, right? So at lap X, you cross the line, you're the stage winner. The race remains green. It continues to go. That's going to get rid of the stupid pit stop strategies we see. You got guys that are winning stages that don't deserve them because they stay out and it mixes everything up and you get guys stuck back in the field and everything is a disaster. It also eliminates 45 minute caution flags because it takes a long time for them to get around the track under caution, right? So if there's a wreck or something, you're still going to get your cautions, but you don't have those two built in stage breaks that take forever for the cars to limp around the track. Finally get back to the green flag, right? It's just going to be more green flag racing. 
So the stage breaks will still be there again. So at lap X, you know, you cross the line in first, you win the stage, you get the, the playoff point, you get the 10 stage points, they'll award them, but the race will just continue as normal. Um, and I think that this is very needed. Um, and I'm very happy to see this one note on that in the Xfinity and truck series standalone road course races. So like Xfinity goes to Portland, um, uh, Xfinity goes to road America and they're not with the cup series. They will have the stage break cautions because they do the non live pit stops at those events. And so that, that will allow them to continue doing that in a scheduled manner, basically. So they will remain for those two series when they are not with the cup series at a road course. Um, but that's only a couple of times a season, but for the six cup series road course races, and then the other series, when they're with the cup series on the road courses, no stage cautions. This, this is a, was a must, I think for road courses. Now I, I don't know that you want to do it on ovals because the stages bunch things back up. That's kind of what they want there. That's the goal, but it didn't make sense to go run 10 laps on a road course, then have a stage caution, right? The race are so short. So I think that this is the best rule change of all of them. Hallelujah. That's all I got to say. Because just like you said, the the thing that was ruining the road course races was that pit strategy of trying to come in a couple of, of laps before the stage caution. Then, I mean, really, that's what cost uh, us a win in the, the, what, Sonoma, actually, is what cost us a win in Sonoma. Because Kyle both Larson and, and Elliot, Elliot, who we both had, yep. yeah, and, and I mean, good for Daniel Suarez to take advantage of that. But I mean, had had stage cautions not been a thing, we'd have been singing a much different tune, and, and probably Kyle Larson would have ended up winning uh, that race because he was probably one of the more dominant cars in the whole day. So to have that rule change, I'm glad that they they took a look at that rule. Um, and like you said, with ovals, yeah, the the reason they did that was to keep it from turning into a stringed-out fest. But road courses don't normally turn out like that. I mean, it's still a lot of jockeying, a lot of positioning, and it doesn't get strung out like uh, like ovals do. And you don't see a lot of lap cars that aren't in accidents, you know? I mean, it's not like they run away completely. So I, I like the change. I'm all for it. This will make a lot more betting on road course is a lot more fun this season because there's going to be i mean for somebody that bets chase elliott every road course (laughs) like i do it's going to be great because if he builds up a six eight second lead unless cardboard's on the track and they throw a caution for that he's not just going to lose it every 10 laps right he's going to keep it and and be able to build on it pit strategies are going to be completely different like now you know you're going to stop after so many laps you're going to pit here you're going to do all that but like now it's going to be how long can we go? Can we make it a two-stop race? Can you make it a one-stop race if you do it correctly? Do you take tires every time? Is it get? I mean, going to be a lot more strategy in it, whereas before it's you're going to pit after 10 laps, you're going to pit after 20 laps, and the race is over after 30 or whatever, and there just wasn't that element to it. So I think that this, again, yeah, a great rule change. Happy to see it. Props to NASCAR for listening to the fans and everyone that was calling for that. Indeed. But then again, you know, you go back through these and, and obviously if you follow Bob, uh, Bob Pomegrass on, um, on Twitter, he'll, he'll definitely lay all this stuff out for you. And then just search NASCAR on Twitter and you'll get all the rule changes. And then some, and everybody's opinions on him. Cause obviously NASCAR oh, yeah. Twitter There's is, plenty of those. <laughs> yeah, NASCAR Twitter is no, I'm sure NASCAR Reddit's about the same. No, no one's ever happy with these <laughs> things, but a lot of these 
we all called for last season. There was a lot of changes that we actually called for that are that are happening this year. So I don't know how you could be upset about it other than maybe the the hail melon not being a, a, a thing anymore, which yeah. is probably the main. But even that, it's a safety thing, and exactly. you have to understand that part of it. So. Yeah, no, you you really do, and that's that's okay. But you know, the 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 sport has evolved. Over the years, it has not stayed the same. And and it's also been very good over the last, I would say, I don't know, 20 years since I've been really watching about figuring out what works and what doesn't and, and changing the things that don't work and keeping the things that do. So um, I mean, I've seen this sport change several times over, over my time. I know, Cody, you've seen this sport change even more than I have. So, you know, it's just a matter of, They'll, they'll continue to make the rules fit the situation they're in. And, of course, this new car was a whole different playing field anyways, and they had to figure out what was different from the last car and make changes accordingly. So kudos to NASCAR for doing it. Kind of still weird timing doing it two weeks before Daytona, but yeah, I think this is pretty pretty normal. I think all the, the technical side of things, they usually iron out a little ahead of time. Although even last week at the test, they were testing stuff on the car, different size spoilers and all kinds of stuff, mufflers, right? And different stuff. So they did make a change to the rocker box today. I don't have that info right in front of me, but something with the rocker box that's supposed to help reduce the heat inside the car and the fire issues that we saw last year, specifically on the Ford cars. But uh, yeah, so they did make it a technical change there, but that was something fairly minor that, that the team should be able to figure out. Oh yeah, so 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 there's no spontaneous fires anymore right. in the Hopefully car. not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and if there is, you'll have your under your fireproof underwear on anyways, so. NASCAR will require an exhaust shroud at the exhaust tip. That is the change it made to the rocker box. There you go. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Uh, the tip. beautiful good, stuff. Good news, yeah. Change the tip. <laughs> uh all right. Uh, all right, well, that is the rules that they will be functioning under starting at the Clash and going forward. Uh, obviously, not many will carry over into the Clash because it's not necessarily the type of race that's there. But, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see how that affects everything. Um, but there is actually DFS to be played for the Clash. We have prices, and we'll actually hit some of these right now. If you guys are getting ready, in fact, check the Discord. I'm sure Cody's about to have a uh, a NASCAR yep. Bush Clash I contest. I do need to get that created. Yeah, we do. Again, in addition to the Fantasy League, we're going to have that'll be full season, $200 card to win that. We do have a $5 contest we play every week. I did. I was doing all three series by the end of the season last year, so I'll share it only in the Discord. You can get in there, play DFS against a few of us. It wasn't always a ton, but couple different guys indiana jones he's already talking crap he, we got in a couple fantasy leagues together this year so he's lobbying in the discord chat for uh for a segment on the show about our head-to-head -head fantasy matchups each week so we'll have to see if we can work that in somewhere but uh yeah it's a fun time so in the discord i'll share the link every week and you'll be able to, to get into the just a five dollar contest you know winner take all i think we did and and we all get to have fun doing that. So uh, sure do. Definitely, definitely get in there for that. Uh, so no surprise here. We talked about him in the betting show, and we talked about all these guys pretty much in the betting show. Joey Logano tops the list at $10,200 for Joey Logano at the Clash. 
again, not surprising. He won last year's clash. He was the champion of last season. So basically, I don't know if there was any scenario in which he wasn't going to be the top dog in this contest. So, uh, but my question though, I guess Cody is, is, is he worth the top spot? Is he worth the price? I suppose. I don't know. 10,200, man. I mean, it's hard to say no, right? After what he did last year, I just, again, he's that guy that that's just so hit and miss. You don't know what you're going to get when you're going to get it. So I don't, I don't know. I I probably am not going to have a ton of them in there. Now I will say, so here, here's the the format and how this is going to work. We talked about it before. There's going to be qualifying and that'll set the heat race lineups. And then they'll have the heat races. The top five, I think it is from the heat races go into the main event. And then they'll have the last chance qualifier races. Top three from those go in. And then the top guy from the points from last year, gets in on a provisional, but only the 27 drivers from the main event will accrue points. So the heat race doesn't give you any fantasy points. The last chance qualifier doesn't give you any fantasy points. So for your lineup for this, you're going to have to be paying attention. And after the heat races, after the last chance qualifier, set your final lineup because that's when the starting lineup will be determined. That's when you'll know which 27 drivers are in the race. So don't just go set a lineup and then forget about it and let it go that's not going to work out well for you most likely i mean maybe you get lucky but you are going to have to pay attention to that and just know that it only counts fantasy points in the the 150 lap main event um at the end of the you know the night so that's just a note there so yeah if joey logano gets in and he's starting 27th on that provisional right he's the only guy that's guaranteed to make the show because he gets the provisional if he doesn't make it so he's starting 27th place. Maybe you do take a look at him because he's going to have that opportunity to, to make some spots up and whatnot. Obviously we won't know the lineup prior to, to that day, but, but I did want to touch on the format part of it there just because that is important that you're going to have to pay attention to the, those lineups and make sure you edit them or, or wait to submit them until once the lineup, the field is actually set. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you don't want to go out and, and invest heavily in one person, say, I'm good, and then turn on the TV when the clash starts and go, oh, shit, he's not there. Oh, he Never didn't even mind. make the race. <laughs> Woo, our bad. Um, and, and look, and that can happen, too. It's not necessarily as if these guys are really, I mean, obviously, they want to race this race, but if they miss it, if they wreck, if there's something happens in, in those heat races or qualifying, I mean, it, it's simple. We saw it last season. Um, where a couple of cars had to bow out because they they got took some uh, damage during the the heat races. So I mean, it's it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. So, like Cody said, yeah, keep I mean, an you eye could out. you could have a Chase Elliott and a Kyle Larson, right? They accidentally get together in the heat race, don't aren't able to finish it. They got a limp from the back of the field in the last chance qualifier. Yeah, there's 50 laps, but only three guys get in. They don't make it up there. Joey Logano has a problem in his. He gets the provisional. And Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson aren't even in the main show. Is that likely to happen? No, but it's possible, right? And then it could go for any of these other top guys up here. Christopher Bell, or Ryan Blady, Kyle Busch, or Ross Chastain, or Denny Hamlin. These guys aren't guaranteed to make it in. Now, if they have an issue and Joey Logano qualifies in, then Ross Chastain is in, right? Because he's second in points, and it'll just go down the list. So likely Joey won't be the one to use that. But I, I want to say last year it was Denny Hamlin that used it. 
and he had been in the final four in the previous season. So it was one of the top four guys from the points before that used that provisional. So it's not, you know, you're probably not going to get too far on the list before you have a guy that needs it. Then if another guy has an issue, he could just miss the big show. And one of NASCAR stars might not even be in the race. I, and again, it's just a matter of this is an exhibition still. I mean, I know, like we said, it's it's a big race as far as this is prestigious, this is the clash, but it's still an exhibition. And there's still these guys that don't necessarily care one way or the other if they actually participate in it. They'd love to. They'd love to log the laps. They'd love to get in there. They'd love to race. But again, it's not going to kill their season if it doesn't happen. So um, yeah, keep an eye on that. And, and then that- one more note too. Only green flag laps count during the the main event. So caution flag laps won't count. So if a guy's leading in laps in a caution or something, that's not going to be scored officially. It's not going to be scored for fantasy purposes, just as a side note. Indeed. Um, all right, let's uh, let's keep going down the list. The Joy Logano at 10-2, Chase Elliott at 10,000, and even 10,000. Uh, Christopher Bell at 9,700. Kyle Larson at 9,500 and Ryan Blaney at 93. I'll go as far as Kyle Busch and end out the 9,000s. He's at $9,100. Not surprising the list of names that's in the top of this, but I will say that all of these prices seem very, very weighty to me up here in the 9,000s. I would expect, I don't know. I don't know what I expected, I suppose, but it just feels to me like with the amount of uncertainty that we are still going to experience on this clash race, it's so hard for me to sink anything above like 9,500 on a guy and feel comfortable. Well, I think that these guys are probably appropriately priced. This, this is the group down to Kyle Busch that you mentioned. These six drivers, I think, are the top six most elite guys that have the best chance, so they should be up here the highest. Christopher Bell actually... <laughs> I know, I know Derek's going to be happy again talking to Christopher Bell, right? But he's my favorite one of, of these top-tier guys. 9700 that's $500 cheaper than Joey is at the top of the board. But Bell, an eighth-place finisher last year in this race, nothing too impressive. Maybe people won't be on him as much because of that. But the win at New Hampshire, the win at Martinsville, the way he ran through the playoffs, winning all those races, getting to the Final Four, proving he can get it done, uh, I'm starting to get bigger and bigger on Christopher Bell as we keep going, right? And that's this is the, how the offseason goes. Now we're getting close, looking into him more. I'm starting to feel him a little more. But short tracks, flat tracks, he is one of those short, flat kings. His other win was at a road course, so he can get it done on this type of stuff. So I don't think you're really going wrong with taking any of these guys. Logano won it last year. Elliott won more races than anybody did last year. He's a road course guy. He had success, led a bunch of laps at Martinsville, both races there. Kyle Larson, he can win anything, anywhere. Ryan Blaney won more stages than anyone else last year. The finishes weren't always there, but it's going to be different this year. He's going to have multiple wins, I think. And you already know how big I am on Kyle Busch, right? And he led the most laps in this race last year, and he finished second. So if you go, I don't have the last year's clash points right in front of me, but he probably was one of the top scoring guys depending on his place differential as well. But as far as getting laps led and getting finishing in second, uh, Kyle probably had a solid day. So I think a case can be made for any of these top six guys. Bell is the one that stands out the most to me just because of what he's done on short flat tracks, the momentum he had at the end of the season. And we'll see if he can carry that into the clash here. 
I'm biggest on Bush this this uh, this race especially. I like 9100. I like the fact that it's 1100 dollars cheaper than Joey Logano. And I was big on Bush last season for this race. I'm big on him again this year. And I think at 9100, he's he's priced at exactly the right price that I want. Even though he's with the brand new team, even though he's he's driving a brand new car, this is Kyle Bush. I think he's going to come out. I- I feel the same way because yeah. I'm going to pick him to win, of course, but uh, <laughs> you already know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then I, I have this sneaking suspicion that this is a Kyle Larson revenge season. And I and I don't mean revenge because he's trying to get revenge on any one person, but he's trying to get revenge on the shit show that was his last season. So, and I say that even though he still was able to make the playoffs, but uh, we talked about it before. In his high standards, uh, he just wasn't necessarily the type of sh- uh, season that he wanted to, to be. So I, I don't, I'm not going to count out Kyle Larson either, especially at 9,500. Let's move on to the second tier of guys in the 8,000 range and, and somewhere in that seventh. That we'll cover the eight and the seven. There's Ross Chastain at 8,900, Denny Hamlin at 8,600, William Byron at 8,400, Tyler Reddick at 8,100. I suppose we can kind of stop there. Let's take those guys for what they're worth. In that, I mean, I don't know. Again, you're, you're not really high on Chastain. You talked about it a couple of weeks ago or maybe even last episode as far as being able to kind of repeat the same type of success that he had this season. Um, but in those four, I, I, I like Hamlin at 8,600 to kind of take a step back as a mid-tier, a mid-tier guy uh, because obviously the extent of, of his uh, success in the series. And I, I just, I don't know. I think his, I don't know that his career's coming to an end per se, but we've talked about how maybe he's going to put a little more attention into that ownership part, which means the driving is going to take a back seat here sooner rather than later in my mind. So I think seasons are running out for Denny Hamlin. I, I'm, I, I'm not age wise, but I mean, you know, it just feels like his attention's about to be split more than, than normal going forward. Yeah. So I, I would say out of this group, Tyler Reddick is probably my favorite one, 8,100. So you're kind of getting a discount. This group is kind of a sweet spot where you could get multiple of these guys and save a little bit on the bigger guys. Reddick led 51 laps in this race last year. He was dominating it early until again, he had the drivetrain issue. His car just stopped working, still new in the car and everything. Then the season he went on to have the three wins, almost four with Bristol um, and just the way that he ran uh good at road courses again that plays into these shorter flatter tracks as well um so i love tyler reddick there but again a case can be made for all these guys right ross chastain averaged more fantasy points per race than anybody else did last year so you got to give him credit for that i still think he's going to be solid i think he's going to be a more popular play because everybody knows him you're going to get some guys you know some people that are just casually playing and they're going to be like oh yeah that's the watermelon guy with the, the Hail Mary move, right, and all that. Denny Hamlin, he's always a solid play. We talked about him a lot in fantasy last year. Up and down, he had the worst clash of anyone last year, right? I, like I said, pretty sure he had to take the provisional. He was out of the race very early. You're stuck in the middle of the track at that point, unable to get out to your hauler. He was just fuming. He hated it, was mad at the world. The only thing that scares me ever about Denny is he quits quickly. If things aren't going his way, he just gives up. He throws in the towel and he's done. And that was kind of the case last year. So we'll see. I, I I still, I mean, you can always make a case for him. William Byron, 
very good at Martinsville. Uh, I believe he won one of the Martinsville races last season. I think it was the spring race, and, and then he led a ton of laps there. Um, so a case can be made for him as well. Um, and he's in a Hendrick car, right? That there's always that element to it that that helps, especially when you're getting a guy at, at that cheap of a price. Indeed. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next segment. And then we'll, uh, so we'll move on to one more segment of drivers, and then I'll just kind of open the floor to anybody that we may have missed down on the bottom. We got Kevin Harvick starting out the top of the 7,000s. He's at 7,800. Brad Keselowski's at 7,500. Martin Truex Jr. still driving at 7,300. Chase Briscoe at 7,100. And I'll toss in Alex Bowman. He's at $6,900 on this list. Nice. Uh, Out of those guys, I mean, obviously, I love Harvick. Uh, definitely still bleeding for Harvick, but does anybody out of Kozlowski, Truex, Briscoe, or Bowman move the needle for you on this list? Yeah, so I mean, Harvick, obviously, free square and fantasy, right? We always love him. I'm not as big on him this race, maybe, as some of the others I think we will be, but okay, Brad Kozlowski didn't even make the show last year. I think I had picked him as my long shot to win. Way to start off the podcast, Cody, and it's first race. He didn't even make the show, uh, but I kind of thought there was going to be an angle there. They've improved, right? So maybe he makes it. I don't know. He doesn't scream anything to me. Martin Truex Jr. I don't use ever. Chase Briscoe. There's a lot of people that like his odds to win and that seem to be jumping on him. His price is kind of shot down already because I think they're taking a lot of action. People seem to really love Chase Briscoe this year. Again, I'm not sold and I don't, I don't, I wasn't that impressed with him last season. He started the season decent. He had a run of top 10 towards the end of the season, but he wasn't ever really in it. Even his win at Phoenix, he didn't dominate the race. He just kind of won a good race at the end. I I don't know what people see, but Alex Bowman, 6,900 for a Hendrick guy, right? That's that's decent always. Again, he's kind of that odd man out at Hendrick. His contract is almost up. A lot of rumors he's not necessarily going to be back in the 48 car. So I don't, it's going to be interesting to see how his season goes. Um, And I don't know, he's got the new crew chief and Blake Harris, who I think is a very, very good crew chief. Maybe that will help him, but does it take a while for them to get together? I don't know, get things going. So he doesn't, I don't really love him. This is kind of the area that I might just kind of skip over. Harvick, I might play depending where he's going to start, how he looks in the heat races. That's another thing too. You're going to have these heat races to measure how guys look. So you have to take that into account as well. Um, and how serious maybe they're even taking this. So yeah, this is kind of just a eh, section for me. Crazy to think that the 48 car is the weakest in that Hendrick stable. It's just right. it, after so many years on the top, I can't even, I can't even wrap my head around it, but yeah, I, I'm okay with, uh, well in, in the 48's defense that technically is the 88 car. That's now the 48 and the 48 is the five, which is the most successful arguably so yeah it yeah. still works out behind the behind the numbers a little for you <laughs> exactly um all right so that that's basically the tier the the more powerful tier i suppose all, all of those are the more powerful tiers but as we scroll down a little bit farther and get into these cheaper guys the one that screams to me right off the jump is oh let me guess let me guess okay go for aj it. almondinger well, I love me some AJ Allmendinger. <laughs> I do, but he's fifty eight hundred. No, who I love more is Justin Haley at fifty. Oh, you're gonna steal my guy, Rod. I can't. Justin help Haley, it. if he makes the show, will be in every single lineup I have. Yep, that's a free square. Fifty four hundred. Not bet him hundred to one to win like we talked about yesterday. 
go get it done because it's going to be moving if it hasn't already. Yeah, it's it's insane. But I, I definitely think, Justin Haley, go back and listen to all the cases that we made from yesterday on yesterday's show because – you know, he did. He had such a fantastic last season at this race, and yep. I, I think yeah, he's he led all twenty five laps of his heat race. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the third fastest qualifier in qualifying. So he started on the pole for heat race three, led all twenty five laps in the top five the whole race till Kyle Larson dumped him for no reason basically and ruined his day. But yeah, love Haley. If he is in the show at all, I don't care where he starts. I will be playing him, especially at fifty four hundred. He was a guy we talked about a lot last year in fantasy, like. Just a great value for the price you get him at every week. I'm expecting a pretty big season from Haley, uh, and I think he could compete for the win already like we talked about yesterday. Um, So, yeah, he's my favorite guy down in this area. A couple other ones that jump out to me, Ryan Priest at 6,000. You know, we talked about he's a a short track modified guy, so he's just kind of his style of racetrack. Um, He had a lot of success in the truck series. We know that he's been in the Cup Series before. The 41 car with Custer was good last year. I think he finished seventh, and Custer did not get what he should have out of that equipment. Um, so I think he could be a good play. Um, uh, Michael McDowell, 5,100. He kind of jumps out as a guy that, that could be pretty decent. We saw him get some good finishes last season. If he makes the show, he's going to be – and that's the thing is with building these lineups, it might be harder to punt – on some of these guys like normal because only 27 are going to make it. So you're probably not going to be able to just plug in a BJ McLeod or a JJ Yaley at the bottom to fill out your lineup because likely they're not going to be in the show. So um, yeah, it is going to make it more interesting. So if a guy like McDowell makes it at 5,100, he could potentially be one of the lowest guys uh, price wise that you're going to be able to use anyways. So I would definitely feel comfortable with him. And then, yeah, I think Haley again is, is, uh, for sure, plug it in if he makes the show. I basically think Almondinger is going to make the show. So I, I fifty eight hundred. There's yeah, there's a K. I mean, again, I'm just not I'm not as high on Almondinger as everybody else is. But you don't. He's a road play. course guy, right? He's good at road courses, so that can translate. And I think that that I think that the colleague team is going to be stronger this year because they've got two full time guys. You got the veteran in AJ who's been around. He's got so many Cup Series starts under his belt. He's done it for a long time. And and then Haley, who is a good driver and is probably the most underrated driver in the Cup Series. And I think that he's going to show a lot of people this year that he shouldn't be underrated. It's going to be so much fun. And we don't have to wait too much longer to see it happen. Oh, so almost, here. almost make, here. Make sure you get in the Discord, though, uh, and, and grab in. Cody, we'll have that up within the next couple of days as far as the contest is concerned. Jump in there. Be cheap to play take all of my money because i tend to give it up uh very easily uh but a lot of fun to be had and and yeah just keep an eye open for the contest and and we'll keep you updated on that discourse you know follow us on twitter and and we'll keep you updated throughout the week to see how your favorite drivers will uh will shake out heading into the bush light clash cody it's time to put a bow on this episode will come back again tomorrow with fantastic content to continue uh, as we head into the Clash weekend. Still plenty of news to talk about over the next couple of days before we get to race day. So um, let's put a bow in this one and say goodbye and good night or good day or whenever you listen to this. Uh, but why don't you let everybody know where they can find you on social media? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Husker underscore Zeb. 
Uh, had a couple articles come out in the last couple of days. Craftsman Truck Series championship odds, uh, Formula One constructor uh, championship odds, and actually a betting preview of the Clash for this weekend for the Cup Series, uh, in addition to tons of other stuff that's out there. So make sure you check it out. I share it all there at Husker underscore Zeeb. And then again, get in the Discord, sg.pn slash Discord, easiest way to jump right over there. Um, there's all kinds of channels, every sport related, all the different podcast hosts of all the different sports and stuff are in all those talking with everybody. And then, yes, that'll be where our fantasy league is and where we'll share the, the DK contests, um, weekly for, for a couple bucks here and there and some bragging rights to when you, you can talk crap like, like Indiana does, uh, when he beats me once in a blue moon. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you can always beat me. That's never in question. So you can always take my free five bucks. That's for sure. Uh, you you won a couple, Rob. <laughs> eh, when I tried. All right. Follow me on Twitter at RJ Gomez. There's a link in the bio to everything I got going on, whether it's here, whether it's Sportsbook Review, whether it is in between media, the back road, kicking off this Thursday. Keep an eye on that Twitter for the announcement. We'll see you again tomorrow. More racing things to talk about here on the NASCAR Gambling Podcast. And until then, let's go racing and let it ride!